all the goodies. Great, great stuff. I love it because it's like every, uh, look, every department, every arena, every Every part of Good Life Church is just ramping up in springtime. Not that you'd think today's weather is anything spring-ish, uh, but ramping up in springtime and making, uh, we're just making room. We're doing it physically. <laughs> this is your first time. We normally have carpet, but we ripped it up. And we ripped it up because, um, A, because it just needed to go in Jesus' name. It just had enough days of, of gaffer tape holding it on. Um, but we've actually gone through a full reno where you can, it's behind here, it's all a construction site. And uh, it, like, I reckon in two weeks' time, it's going to be, like, there'll be a proper stage by the end of next week. And uh, we're doubling the amount of seating capacity in this place because we're making room, not just in our hearts, but physically. Um, and as we pray, we're making room for people uh, to come to Christ. We're believing with every single good lifer that we're called to be followers of Christ. Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. We want to be fishers of men. We want to be those that uh, join in on the adventure of sharing the love of Jesus uh, with other people. The other option is you could live a boring Christian life. And I'm just, look, it just doesn't seem like fun to me. I'm thinking this adventure is filled with faith, uh, filled with growth, filled with great things on that journey. And to boot, you get to make a difference in someone else's life. So it's not a self-oriented or a selfish life. It's a self-sacrificing life on behalf of the greater, greater good. And, um, and so because we want to make a maximum impact in our world, then we're ready to do it with all of our hearts. So yeah, so the reno is on. That's why we've got a makeshift stage and all kinds of stuff. And the people that have worked so hard with the renos, um, there's still weeks to go, but also just every week bumping in and bumping out like a full makeshift, makeshift, makeshift. It's a makeshift stage. It's makeshift. <laughs> oh, hallelujah in the house of the Lord. Forgive me, Lord, I know not what I do. Um, but putting up a makeshift stage and including a, um, I said that look, I said that looking into Jesus' eyes just then, actually. I said that. Um, but anyway, it, but everything, so many people that have been working so hard, volunteering. There are so many great dream teams in the life of Good Life Church, people that make a difference. And I think we should put our hands together for all of those people. Even though I might say it wrong, they're doing it right. All right. Look, I might just get rid of the team if I can get just get rid of this um, this uh, coffee table and uh, well, it's not coffee table, it's a water table, and there's all sorts of different goodies there. We're keeping on praying for those people that are making room. Yeah, you can take it all. We're praying for those people that are making room and uh, praying for all of your friends and family and uh, believing God for us to make great invitations. Actually, this whole series on Do You Even Bible, yeah, the whole stuff can go. Thank you. Uh, on Do You Even Bible is all about two key things. First of all, is there's gold in the Bible every day. Uh, if the Bible says uh, His Word, uh, this Word, the Bible, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We're not looking for pop psychology. We're looking for words that have been truth and life for a very, very long time. They're true. You can stand on this rock. And uh, we want people to stand upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ and to know that every day you can get something great uh, from God for your every day. Um, so there's something there every day. Or, or you, can, you can try to just go through life yourself 
or you can get great stuff from God because God's called us to be great overcomers and influencers. And who knows that Well, I'm not good enough to do that on my own. I need what God's got for me to actually take those great steps forward and make great confident leaps forward for the great things of God. And this is how God pictures it. Jesus telling a story and he says, uh, he says there's two kinds of people. There's those that build their life upon the rock and those that build their life upon the sand. And he says, what's going to happen is when the storms come, everyone say when, life is full of storms, bad things happen. And when the storms come, it says when the person that built their life upon the rock, the storm comes, the house stays firm. But those that build their house upon sand, what happens is the house actually crumbles because the foundation uh, is, is faulty. And so what is the rock? But we know that the rock is the, the Word of God. We know it's the words that come straight from God out of the Bible that we can live and apply and see great things happen in our life. If you build your life upon the rock and the words of Jesus, when the storms come, she'll be right, mate. You'll be standing tall. That'll be great. But if you build upon sand, well, she won't be right, mate. You're going to be up the creek without a paddle. That's not good for you, Right? But what is sand apart from particles of rock? So how easy is it to actually pick out the bits of the Bible that we like and discard the bits that we don't like? Well, that's not politically correct. Well, I'm offended by that. Well, I don't give a rip if you're offended by it. The Bible is, says itself it's going to be offensive. And so sometimes we need to be offended so that we can actually go, you know what, I actually need to deal with that. I need to deal with that insecurity in my life. I need to deal with that precious like attitude in my life. I need to deal with that. I'm not living by the world standards. I'm living by this. And what it means then is I'm not just picking the bits that I like and discarding the other bits that I don't like. What about the bits you don't understand? What about the bits that are difficult? So if I can go, you know what? I'm going to trust that God is God and He knows way better than I that he spoke the world into existence, that's pretty good. I'm like, I'm really banking on a very strong bet right here. And so I'm going to give all and say, God, even the bits I don't understand or the bits I don't get or the bits that are challenging, I'm going to take it. Yes, God. If that's what the Bible says, I'm going to say yes. And the Bible says, if you live by that, when the storms come, you'll stand. But if you just take the bits that you like and discard the bits you don't, you're building upon particles of rock, and when the storms come, that stuff just falls down. And so it's just not good for you. It's not just bad fashion. It's terrible for the life that's coming. It's, it's a terrible project, projection of what your life would be. And so we want to help every single person know how to build their life upon the rock and take the time every day to get good stuff out of the Bible. It's there. There's gold right there. But I've got to learn how to do it. And so as we go through over the next couple of weeks, um, what we're doing is we're giving you the opportunity to learn how to read the Bible. There's a couple of key things that are going to help you. Number one, can I tell you? Number one, read slower. Just read slower. Just stop. Don't go, well, I've got to get through 17 chapters today because that's my goal and get nothing out of it. Better just pull up and read, not even get to 17 verses and something touches your heart and you're like, wow, God, that actually challenges me. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be a better son. I'm going to be a better daughter. I'm going to be a better parent. I'm going to be better at what I do because God spoke to my life and transformed me from this to something way better because I said yes to the Word of God. And so just read slower. The second thing is instead of trying to read so much, 
stop and when you stop and you're reading slower, ask questions. And don't ask questions like, gee, I wish my parents were reading this. Like, I wonder if I can get them to read that scripture. I wonder if my boyfriend would read that. Like, like oh, hopefully he will. Like, that, it's not those questions about someone else. It's the questions about, God, what does that mean to me? Out of all the characters in this story, which one do I actually act like? Because what would Jesus say to those people is exactly what then he'd say to me. Am I the critical one? Am I the insecure one? Am I, am, am I, the, am I the judgmental one? And just ask yourself those questions. Ask those questions. Okay, then, well, if I am, what's the answer that Jesus is bringing in this story? That is how to read the Bible. And so when we talk about do you even Bible, it's that we would get that kind of stuff out of the Bible. And tonight, I want to walk you through how to do it and show you as we bring the Bible to life. The other thing is that because uh, we're going to keep on ramping up just how we're just going to present every week, dramatically present the Bible. It's just going to get ramp up every, every week, all the way through. November 11 is going to be off the chain. We're going to turn this place into a Middle Eastern street square, and uh, we're going to do the woman caught in adultery. And so there will be all kinds of crazy stuff going here. It's the Sunday you do not want to miss. And no, we're not going to present her being caught in the act of adultery. It's just what happens afterwards that we're going to cover there in Jesus' name. Amen. It's going to be a great presentation of the gospel. And so we're going to ramp that up over, the, over a bunch of weeks. And so it is a great opportunity to invite, invite, invite. And we've got these cards. It's an invitation. Steph already said about it on the update. But you can get as many of them as you want from the Yes Desk. And they're all around you on the seats. Right. So we're going to get into it tonight because we want to get the great things out of the Word of God. So in Luke chapter 19. This is not a story that Jesus told. This is an historical account. And it says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Keep that up there. Because what I've got to ask is when I read the Bible, I've got to stop. Because then, like, there's, a, there's a verse that I could just skip by because it seems boring. It seems just like a link. And the link is actually important. So after Jesus had said this, my question is, what has he said? And the thought that he's just talked about the fact that he gives us all. If you read there, there's a story, the parable of the miners. And you're like, miners? Like people that mine for stuff? No, no. It's a, it's a form of currency. And he gave one guy 10. He gave one guy five. He gave one guy one. Two of them multiplied what they'd had. And one person gets like scared. He goes, I'm going to hide it. I'm just going to give it back to the owner. And the owner goes at the end, he goes, the guy that turned 10 to like, that's amazing. You multiplied that. That's, you multiplied that. That's amazing. But you hit it, did nothing with it. Man, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that off you and give it to someone who knows how to deal with it. And so we think being faithful is like keeping on showing up. You know how many people religiously rock up at a church service every week just out of religious duty and not actually out of a relationship with God where they're multiplying what God has got for them? And God goes, you know what? Faithfulness is not just consistency. It's fruitfulness. I've found it in life that God's after fruit, not nuts. I think the church for a number of years has had it around the wrong way. But God's after fruitfulness out of our lives. And so looking for an opportunity to bear fruit, to actually be fruitful in what we do is amazing. And so he's right there. He's saying, hey, here's the deal. It's not just that we need to be fruitful, but God is going to come back and inspect. And at that point, he goes, God's coming back to inspect and to sort things out. 
And he's going to deal with stuff at that point. And then he goes straight after that. And there's a link and it says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is actually significant because it's the place we find out where Jesus gets crucified. And so we know, because if you've read the Bible, there's an historical account. There's a historical account of Jesus going to Jerusalem. He gets crucified. When he gets crucified, um, he ends up dying. They stick him in a grave. Three days later, he rises again. It's the Easter story. And at that point, he opens up a can on the devil, death and hell. And he comes back and he trounces it. He gives a public dacking of the devil. That's what you read in Colossians chapter 2. Embarrasses the devil. And all of a sudden, he's back and he's appearing to a whole bunch of thousands of people he appeared to after coming back from the dead. And then he cruises up to heaven on a cloud and sends the Holy Spirit. That's what we know is going to happen. But at this point, nobody knows it. Just Jesus. And so he's going, I've just told you about what's going to happen. God's going to come back, sort stuff out. And then he says, I'm going to go ahead up to Jerusalem. If he had told the guys, it would have been like, avoid Jerusalem, mate. They'll kill you. But he's like, I know what's going to happen. It's all good. I'm going to die for the sins of humanity. There's going to be people in Newcastle in 2018, and they're going to need the gift of grace that I'm about to pay the price for. Their sins need to be forgiven, and I'm going to pay the price for them. I can see them in the future. I want to help them out. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany, you see how just stopping for a second and finding out the context actually really helps. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples to uh, and he, and he says to them a few things. So what, what I need if I'm going to bring this to life is, well, what I'm going to need is I'm going to need a Jesus. I'm going to need a Christ-like type of guy, a good-looking Jesus type of guy. Wondering if there's anyone. Oh, yeah, you'll do. Come on, come up on the, come up on the stage, uh, Luke. Looking good. If you can just stand right here, front and center, that's looking good. Good-looking Jesus, would you not say? Um, wearing a white shirt, quite resplendent. Did mum wash that? Yep, okay, fair enough predicted that. Um, I think Jesus would wear R.M. Williams. I think that's probably appropriate. I think he would have been a little bit more olive than you. Um, and I'm thinking at age 33, his beard wouldn't have had so many gaps. But you were doing well. Um, <laughs> right. And so Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem because that's like, you're going to die, mate. You're cool about that, right? Yeah, yeah. I know what's going to happen. I know it's going to be difficult, but you've got some disciples with you. And you need to talk to them in a second. So I need a couple of disciples. I need a couple of like, no, 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 Dave, this is prearranged, mate. You would have heard about it already. You weren't chosen. Uh, we like you. These disciples didn't have as much muscle as you. So I've had to go on with some tweety white guys. So um, <laughs> a little bit skinnier than the average uh, Jewish boy. Um, so... So Jesus is hanging with his disciples. They're happy to hang out. They're, they're being cool. Um, one, one's wearing a leather jacket. Yep, okay. 50% off. Roger David's going out, of, uh, going out of business. Get that stuff while you can. And he says, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. It's over, it's over this way, Jesus. Just make sure you get your directions. It's this, this way. Go to the, go to the village. Ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say the Lord uh, needs it. So before we get any further, here we go. We've got Jesus telling his disciples, he's just giving them 
the direction that he needs them to know and nothing else. Um, he's saying, go that way. You're going to see a donkey. Untie it, bring it. If someone says, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord has need of it. So there's a couple of points. So if we're going to stop and we're going to ask questions for a second, I've got to go, does Jesus realize this is the, at that time, this is the equivalent of Grand Theft Auto? Does he realize? Now, this is Jesus, probably, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's Jesus for tonight. Does he realize that that's theft? Does he realize that? And so we've got to think, okay, what, how does God work? God works that he, uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So every resource is actually God's. So I've got to ask myself, with what I've got in my life, in my hands, with my time, with my priorities, with my finance, do I have the attitude that Jesus has of, yeah, it's mine? Do I say it's, it belongs to Jesus, it's in God's hand? Do I go, no, no, it's mine. Jesus, you can't have it. The other thing is I've got to say, these two guys have been told, just go and do this. Now, they don't know that that donkey is going to be the thing that Jesus enters into Jerusalem as the actual king. And people lay down at Palm Sunday, palm fronds, and they're singing, Hosanna to the king. It's the welcoming of King Jesus to come and restore the kingdom. They, they, it's, it's still days to come. They don't even know that. Could you imagine these guys going, look, you want me to what? Are you going to steal a donkey? I don't even know it. Jesus doesn't give them the full picture. And I find that's what happens in my life all the flipping time. Jesus, you're going to give me more details? No, he just goes, head that way, mate. Just go that way. Someone said to me, how do you know I meant to plant a church in Auckland? And I said, oh, just felt good. <laughs> just sounds good. Because Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. And I thought, I love Auckland. Married a Kiwi. I love that place. I think it could do with good life. All right, let's do it. Just, and every time I keep on thinking about it, it's like my heart skips a beat. Because some people are after a booming voice. God, and you want God to give you all the details. Oh, yes, Lord. And all he says is, head that way. I'm just going to give you some clipping. And you're thinking, I'd like to know what's actually going to happen with all this stuff. Like, Jesus, are you sure? Are you sure you know what you're doing? The response from these guys is, uh, do, do you know what you're doing? Yeah, sure, okay. Verse 32, um, those who were sent ahead, well, they went ahead. They found us just as they told him. So if, we're gonna, if there needs to be another town with a donkey and an owner, look, we need a donkey. Are there any donkeys? We got, got any donkeys? No, no. Oh, here we go. So we've got a donkey. It's a um. It's a Shetland donkey. <laughs> okay, donkey, up on the stage. Let's give a clap for the donkey. <laughs> we can just we need to time up over here doing good thanks donkey doing great St stand, yes just just there's fine 
Thank you, donkey. We do appreciate the donkey in the house of the Lord. I hear they like to be scratched behind the ears. <laughs> so Jesus says, off you go. Go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one else has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, say the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead. So sent ahead. Send them ahead, Jesus. Send them ahead. They went and they found it just as he had told them. You can trust Jesus. <laughs> Be nice to the donkey, JT. Um, as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying my colt? <laughs> um, look, and if we, if we stop right here, that is the conversation. That's all the Bible gives account for. The guy comes along and goes, why are you untying my colt? And the guys say, the Lord has need of it. And the next verse says, they brought the donkey to Jesus. So all of a sudden, what, here's the deal, is it, can I say, is that generosity is such a wild, wild miracle. Like bone upon bone, flesh coming back together. I've seen pretty wild miracles in my time of people's bodies being healed with prayer. The Bible says, lay hands upon the sick and they will recover. But for God to speak to one person to say, hey, look, this is my mode of transport. This is grand theft auto. And for the only response at this point to be the Lord has need of it. And the guy just goes, sure, mate. See a donkey. You've been a good donkey. This is an amazing act of generosity right here. And when God moves upon the heart of one person to give generously to the work of God, it's, it, what it does is it releases great things for the kingdom of God. And if I was to stop right now, I'd have to say, do I trust God that much? Like, would I give up my mode of transport? For the kingdom of God, just because the Lord has need of it. I know the pastors around here, they're on exorbitant wages. Of course the Lord has need of it. Isn't it amazing how we come up with all sorts of reasons and excuses when it's time for generosity? But I've also found that when it comes to the way that God speaks about generosity, there's not many details, it's all generalities. So why are you taking my donkey? The Lord has need of it. I would want to say, need of it for what? Be more constructive with your feedback. Like, why? Like, what is Jesus going to do with it? But here's the deal, is that we find a guy who's okay with generalities when it comes to God's challenge for generosity. And so do we need detail or can we just trust God? When God asks big of us, what he's doing is he is including us in on his big plan. He wouldn't ask big of you unless he wanted to include you in on his big plan. And at this point, he's okay to go, yes, yeah, sure, God, your call. And so if I struggle with generosity into the kingdom of God, if I struggle with generosity into the house of God, these sorts of things, this is why the Bible talks these sorts of things through, is at that point, I could go, do I actually really trust God? Do I trust him with my life? Do I trust him with my finance? Do I trust him that he's brought a donkey to me once? He could do it again. He's provided for me previously. He can do it again. Yeah, that's the God that I'm serving. 
And if you face tough times, it can be hard to get back onto the horse of gen- well, the donkey of generosity. But if I'm going to read the Bible, I've got to ask, I've got to read slower and I've got to ask questions because all of this gold is in this story. And if you skip over it, you're going to miss it. God wants to include you in an amazing adventure of trusting Him and knowing you can give away a donkey, but there's more. Here's a guy who just said, yeah, sure, take my, and forever he's listed in Scripture. And forever, could you imagine when it comes down the track, he doesn't even know what he's doing, but down the track a couple of days later, he's going to be like, man, Jesus came into Jerusalem on my donkey, boys. I got a selfie with Jesus on the donkey. Okay, before selfies, but... But he got included on something way, way bigger because he was just generous when it came to generalities. And so the Bible goes on. So uh, they replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought it to Jesus. (laughs) Donkeys can be stubborn. (laughs) They brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt. They put Jesus on it. Okay, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 stop. You'll break his back. It's not an actual donkey. Okay, Jesus, sit side saddle at least, Jesus. Come on. (laughs) Always knew I loved you, Jesus. They brought it to Jesus, threw the cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. It's not just generosity without general, without genera, with generalities that is the problem right here. It's the fact that here's the deal. It's whether it's the guys, the disciples that got sent, whether it's the owner that said yes, no matter what stage of this journey, here's the big deal. How do I go? when I'm called to be obedient without the detail that I'd prefer. So what are you going to do with the donkey? You, I'm going to go to what city? I'm going to do what? You want me to do, you want me to do Grand Theft Auto? That's okay. Because if you, if you struggle with obedience without detail, your heart will go towards either anxiety or apathy. When God means it to be an adventure. There's an adventure for you in the Lord Jesus Christ where you could be about, and here's the deal, they're just this whole happens right here as they now go in the entry as the incoming king of Jesus coming into the city, and we get to be a generation that says yes to Jesus. I want to actually bring Jesus into this city, and if I don't see uh, obedience without detail as an adventure, I'll get anxious and pull back and not actually be obedient to the Word of God that's going to actually propel my life. If I get anxious, I'm going to be fearful. I'm going to make excuses why I can't go forward and I can't say yes and I can't give that offering because God, don't you know how much I've worked for this? Well, what I'll do is I'll head towards apathy because it's just all too hard. Well, here's the whole point. is in the middle of this whole story, it's been Jesus' presence and Jesus' words that have never stopped. He's been there the whole time. Could you imagine the disciples when the donkey, covered with their cloaks, walks into the town? The incoming king of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and they sit back and they think, I'm so glad I didn't see an opportunity for anxiety. or I didn't pull back and become apathetic. I took it as an adventure and we brought the King Jesus into his city, Jerusalem. The end result was not just that Jerusalem had the chance for salvation, but through this incoming king, generation after generation after generation after generation. Ladies and gentlemen, by being obedient, when you don't have all the details, by being generous, when all God gives you is generalities, what happens is you can not just change your life, that you're on a venture now that changes lives and cities and generations. You're now making history. I bet you bow your heads and close your eyes here tonight. As we lead the donkey off, you can just walk on your back, hind two feet. Don't trip over the rope, donkey. No, no, open your eyes again. You need to see this. We can pray in a second. Keep your head on. <laughs> we, need to, we need to protect the identity of the donkey. Well played. Now you can close your eyes. Let's pray. As I get Alison up to play some temper trap. Okay, just that last worship song was good, thanks. Jesus, we want to be people that find the gold that's in your word every single day. We can trust your word because we can trust you. We don't want to be those that just pick apart the bits that we like and leave behind the bits that we don't. We don't want to be the ones that find the bits that we understand and leave behind the ones we don't. We want to actually find the wisdom that you've already unpacked for us. It's sitting in the word. We just want to mine for the gold. We make a decision. God, even find five minutes. Read your Bible. Some people here today, and just the first step you need to make is just to go to the app store or the wherever you go if you've got a droid. I don't know, purgatory, is that where you go? I don't know. Sorry, did I, I think I said that. I just, I did. Obviously, I'm joking. But seriously. Anyway, uh, but you want to go to, I don't know, wherever you find apps on a droid. And you go and find the Bible. A great, a great app, and it's free. It's called YouVersion, Y-O-U version. The Bible's right there. There's Bible reading plans. I'm currently reading the Bible chronologically. Because if you read from the cover to cover it, it's not actually in exact time slots. And so I'm reading it, so it's making a whole lot more sense in a lot of ways. And it means I'm getting good stuff out of the Bible more and more. And I've been a Christian for 27 years. It's good to keep on getting great stuff out of the Bible. I'm growing, I'm enjoying, I'm loving it. I'm grappling with some pretty tough concepts. And it's really helping me understand God more. You think after 27 years, you'd know a whole lot. Maybe I do, but I'm very happy to let you know I've got a lot to learn. And so this life in the Bible, if I can be teachable, if I can be humble, if I can slow up and if I can ask the right questions, what it means is that I can 
Let the Holy Spirit breathe upon the words that are on the page and it, it fires up my heart. And all of a sudden, the things that I struggle with, I'm not struggling with so much. So for some of us, the best decision we could ever make would be to just download an app and get a reading plan. If you've never read the Bible before, I'd start with the first four books of the New Testament are four different guys' accounts of, the, of their life with Jesus. Now you can start with any of them. I'd suggest starting with John. But it'd be a great place to start and just start to read and read slowly and go, God, what's your example in this? What are you saying? Who's the person that's doing it right? And who's the person that needs to pull their socks up? And... But a life in the Word is a life that's built upon a rock. And when the storms come, ladies and gentlemen, well, the Bible says you get to stand, stand firm. But if you build upon sand, just fragments of truth, when the storms come, that thing falls over. And God wants you to stand. I want you to stand. And so today, just between you and God, you make the call. Yeah, Jesus, I want to do that. I want to live with your word. One of the best decisions, if you've been a Christian for a while and you struggle to be in the Bible every single day, one of the greatest decisions you could be to, to, to make would be to actually speak to your, your connect group leader. Or if you're in youth, a crew leader. And so I'd love to learn how to read the Bible every day. I don't do it. Talk to your crew leader. Make a habit. Say, yeah, let's read together. Teach me how to read the Bible. I want it. If, you, if you can do 21 days, you'll make a habit. Your life will be different. It's like going on a diet. Your life is different. You feel like you've got so much more energy. Not one of those diets of cabbage soup, but one of the diets where you actually get to eat food. But you cut out all the garbage, all the processed stuff, and all of a sudden you feel like you could just do anything. That's what this diet is like. Come on, that's a decision we get to make to live our lives upon the Word of God. Not upon our preference. Not upon pop psychology and comparisons to other people on social media. But say, God, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I want to learn, I want to grow every single day. Father, I thank you for people making a good and quality decision to live in your word and live on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ every single day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I pray today for those that struggle with the whole thought of when you ask them to do something, when the Bible says something challenging, they, they tend towards anxiety and not seeing it as an adventure. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would bring strength and grace and wisdom to every single one of them. God, I pray today for those that have tended towards apathy and have not actually engaged with the great things of God in their life. Father, I pray, Lord God, that they would, that they would make the call to say, God, if you're asking me to do something, I'm going to see it as adventure not as apathy and not as anxiety. Father, when you call us to be generous and we've only been given generalities, 
not the specifics that we'd really, really like. God, I pray, Lord God, that we would trust, we would learn to trust you more and more and more. And Jesus, as you just give whatever directions, we're ready to say yes. As the Bible says to go, we say yes. If the Bible says to live this way, yes. And even if I don't understand, and even if the world says it's upside down, we realize they're upside down and you are the right way up. God, that you are the rock that I want to build my life upon. Father, I pray that we would have that kind of faith that trusts you, even when we don't understand, even when the world says it's opposite, even when we don't quite get it, even when it's a difficult thing to do, even when I'm struggling to wrap my head around it, even when I don't have every one of my questions answered, we say, God, you are the God that built the world. And so I trust you. I trust your words. And God, I'm going to lean upon your word and say, yes, even despite the fact that I don't yet understand. I don't actually have to, because that's the point of faith. God, I pray that we'd have that kind of life in Jesus' name. Amen. With every bowed and every eye closed, there'll be people here tonight, maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart. The whole point of Jesus getting that donkey was that he could make a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. That even though they, he entered in with great festivities, only a couple of days later, he's dying upon a cross with the punishment of a criminal. He did that to pay the price, not just for the sins of those around, but for every single person in all of human history. And so today, that gift is now available for you. The donkey. It's just an animal used by God to bring the king in to his future. And his future was all about you. So if that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus, come into my heart. Yes to Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Yes to Jesus. And you don't deserve this. Neither do I. No one does. But God offers it. It's His gift of grace and love and acceptance and inclusion of you. You don't deserve it. No one does. I don't. You don't. We're all in the same boat together. And so if you want to say yes to Jesus, either for the first time or you're coming back to Him, in a moment of privacy and prayer, if that's you, I would love to know who I'm praying for. So how about you just slip your hand up high so I can see it. I'll recognize it and you can pop it back down again. It would be my honor to lead you in a prayer that says yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. doesn't matter how many times you've come to church. It does matter that you know that you're a child of God. He loves you, friend. He entered into Jerusalem on that donkey and ended up dying on the cross not just for me, but for you as well, for every single person. You're not just here as a number. You're an individual and God loves you. You can't do anything bad enough that actually prohibits you or or, or distances you from God's love. It is unconditional and it's available right 